Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. So happy to have you back for another edition of the Unity Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Cathy. They keep asking me to come back and do these interviews, and I'm not really sure why, but I'm happy to do them. And I'm thrilled about our guest today. Uh, Our podcast is where we interview leaders on how their career has developed and giving advice back to people, whether it's other leaders or people growing in their career coming out of college or in the midst of climbing the corporate ladder. And our guest today is Nick Brignola. He is the VP of FP&A. That's financial planning and analysis at a company called CloudMed, which is a healthcare technology company. Yep. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, David. For yeah. Thank well, you. we're thrilled that you're here. So, so a little bit about Nick. Nick is from Pennsylvania. He's actually from a small town in between Philadelphia and New York City called Easton, Pennsylvania. Yesterday, I learned it was steel country because Bethlehem Steel, for those older folks like us, would remember a company named Bethlehem Steel, which dominated the steel market back then. Uh, He has three daughters, lives in Frisco. Um, I told Nick today, I felt like he's a walking quote machine because when I was talking to him, he's always got like these one-liner quotes. Pop quiz, Nick, what's your favorite quote? Uh... Probably winning it isn't everything, it's the only thing. Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi, yeah. Yeah, speaking of Vince Lombardi, you know, Nick, one of the things we learned here is what happened to the dream or the intent of playing in the NFL? I thought that's where you were gonna be. Instead, you're sitting here. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, when I was a young kid, uh, all the way up through high school, I played football. However, um, probably can't see me, I'm sitting here, but I'm only 5'5", so the opportunity for me to play football really wasn't there, uh, most likely after high school, and certainly not to the pros. So I took a a winding path, and I'm here today, 30 years later after uh, high school graduation. Well, we're glad that you're here today, and I think uh, everybody will walk away from this having learned a thing or two, and maybe they can put it into action in their lives. So Nick, we talk a lot about on this show that where your career ends up can be a far cry from the beginning sure. and where you thought things might uh, be going. And for you, I mean, you went to Penn State, you got a degree in business logistics, yep. and you're in your mid-20s, and you still had no clue what you wanted to do. You dabbled around, moved cities, sales, everything. Yep. But here you are, you know, 25 years later, VP of FP&A, like, was that beneficial for you that that time of you turned it into a benefit for you like how did you do that how did you turn that no clue what i want to do to a benefit yeah so i i I mean you're you're exactly right david when i was in my mid-20s i really didn't have an idea of of what i wanted to do to be honest with you i mean i really didn't want to do a whole lot of working um (laughs) And I'm not ashamed to say that, but now uh, I always had a good work ethic, but I wasn't really excited or passionate. I didn't feel like that about anything at that point in time. So you're correct. I I started in sales after after school, after I graduated from Penn State in business logistics. I had an offer, but, you know, the offer, I would have had to move and I really couldn't pay 
to live uh, where I was, it was in Northern Virginia at the time, uh, I wouldn't have been able to, to, to really live on a day-to-day -day basis there with what I was making. So decided to, uh, to move and, and uh, took a job in, in sales, 100% uh, commission sales. And, and honestly, that, that actually helped me with my work ethic. I always had a good work ethic, but that really taught me that, look, if I'm not, I'm not actually selling, I'm not actually eating or paying mm -hmm. my bills. So I did that for about a year and then things went sideways at that company and then uh, ultimately went, went back home to Pennsylvania. I was in Memphis, Tennessee at the time and went back home to Pennsylvania and, and uh, worked with my father who, who had a small occupational safety and health consulting firm and got into auditing and consulting. And what I realized at that point after two or three years was that I really liked the auditing mm -hmm. uh, work. And so did some research and uh, decided at that time to go back for my, uh, my MBA and uh, decided to go back to uh, Louisiana State, which has had at the time, I think they still have the number one internal audit program in the country and um, did a full-time MBA and, and came out with a good job uh, as an auditor. And from that point forward, look, I, I really don't feel like I've ever even worked. I mean, I work hard. I work long hours uh, a lot of times, but um, I don't actually feel like I'm working. I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, I'm in finance now, but honestly, I was always good with math, meaning mm -hmm. when I was five, six years old, I could, I could tell you, I, I, I don't use a calculator today. So I do math in my head. I rarely use a calculator. So I've been finance where you know, there's a lot of math, there's a lot of storytelling, right? It's a finance. That's right. Uh, in finance, I like to say that accounting writes the books and finance tells the story, mm -hmm. okay? And I've lived that way for the last 20 years, being in finance, uh, FP&A, uh, and circuitous route to begin with, but put the time in and certainly, um, you know, here I am. Yeah. Well, I like to say that uh, accounting is the play-by-play -play guy, finance yeah. is the color guy. Yeah. I yeah. used to be a color guy yeah. way back before I started this recruiting thing. Oh, wow. I would be a terrible color guy right now. <laughs> um, so I don't get any ideas. I am not your guy for finance. I need a computer to do any calculation um, or my phone. Uh, so <laughs> one of the things that we talked about was, it, so this was a blessing in disguise for yeah. you. and. And your life changed. So you were in your mid-20s, really didn't know what to do. Yep. Uh, went down to LSU after doing some research. Yep. Decided to get into auditing. Career took off. We'll get to that here in a second. Sure. It was really good to hear your honesty in that, you know, I don't have direction. But all the little things that you did culminated into setting you on a path that led you here today, which... Even things you didn't think at the time would contribute. You're doing a sales job, but here you are, FP&A, but that sales job taught you work ethic. That's right. And I think that's so important. You, you did something else. You talked about Lou Holtz, yeah. a book about Lou Holtz, yeah. about setting goals. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that because you're an extremely goal-oriented person, and that's something you've passed along to your three daughters. That's correct. Yeah, so... My first my spring semester at LSU, first year I was there, I was in between classes and I was reading one of those Chicken Soup for the Soul books and there was a, a story five, six, seven pages long about Lou Holtz and 
you know, ultimately, you know, the story about Lou was, look, he had a, uh, he had gone, taken a new job as an assistant coach. He just had a baby. And within three weeks, he was fired along with the head coach of, uh, of, the, uh, of the, the program. And so he, didn't, he was out of a job. So his wife brought him home a book. Uh, and he read the book very quickly, and, and it was about goal setting, and, and he ended up setting about 107 goals, uh, ultimately, very quickly. But his wife came back home after one day after work, and he was so happy and so excited about, you know, that he read through the book and he did his goals. He was telling his wife, God, I'm so excited. I, you know, I, I did all these goals, and she took a look at the goals and said, you know, Lou, you missed one. I was like, what do you mean I missed one? Well, you know, you got to get a job. I mean, that needs to be a goal number yeah. 108. So for me, when I, after reading that, as I was sitting there, you know, my spring semester and not working, I was a GA uh, at, at LSU, but I didn't know where my, my, you know, I didn't know where my life or career was headed at the time. I sat down and wrote 56 goals myself, and that was January of 97. I kept those goals in my wallet with me for the next 13 years checking them off as I went through, but also using those as a roadmap for me from a professional as well as personal standpoint in terms of what I wanted to achieve for my life, also for my children. Uh, I didn't have any kids at that time, but certainly I wanted kids. Uh, and also from a professional standpoint on how do I get to where I want to be? Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't necessarily carry around my goals today, but I have them etched in my mind in terms of what I want. And by the way, over time, those goals changed, right? I mean, in the, in the middle of all of that, you know, I started having kids. My second daughter was born uh, with special needs, right? So priorities start to change at that point. And, you know, professional priorities, certainly, they were always important, but uh, personal became much more important at yeah. that point. Yeah. Yeah. In case anybody's interested, the book that Lou Holtz read was called, I, I, I did the research, yeah. it's The Magic of Big Thinking by David Schwartz. Mm. And uh, so you can look up that book and, uh, and get it for yourself. And it's really interesting because I, I listened to Jamie Valvano, which is Jimmy Valvano's daughter. Jimmy Valvano is uh, the head coach of NC State basketball who won the national championship and then years later died from cancer and they have the Jimmy V foundation. And I just listened to Jamie Valvano and she said, Jimmy Valvano did the same thing. He had a note card and he wrote down his goals and his goals were, I want to play college basketball. I want to be an assistant coach. I want to be an assistant coach at a D one school. I want to be the head coach at a major program. I want to win a national championship. And he carried that note card with him forever. And he would just check them off and when the the update to the story was when he got cancer everything changed as you said and his goal was i want to find a cure for cancer and they started the jimmy v foundation which so you've got two incredibly well-known famous uh coaches who were goal-oriented you're very goal-oriented which is great to know i'm sure you carry that forward to your team yes but as your career manifested itself, so you graduate from this audit program at LSU yep. and your career starts taking off. I mean, you're traveling internationally 40% of the time. You're visiting all these countries doing these international audits. And you thought two things. 
I was going to be an executive at a Fortune 500 company in nine yep. years after yep. you graduated yep. from the program. That's correct. And you were going to be living in Milan, Italy. And here you are sitting with me today. So you're not in Milan, Italy, obviously. No, nope. um, not in Milan, nor am I VP of a Fortune 500 company, but that's okay. But it changes. That's right. That's and right. that's okay. Yeah, it's okay for life to change. I mean, look, we don't know what, what tomorrow brings. So we always have to be willing and able to change. I mean, you know, there's so much change. If I think about, think about just the time that we've been here. I mean, I'm in my early 50s at this point. And uh, I think about when I was born to all the technology changes that we've seen over time. I mean, I went to, I went to undergrad, there wasn't even email in undergrad. I mean, now the kids that are coming out of school today, my kids, a lot of guys on my team, uh, they're, you know, they're in their 20s and uh, they've grown up with the internet. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a different world today than where what it was when I was growing up. But I think we always have to be willing to, to change and, and be able to see the benefits that those types of things bring. And look, uh, yeah, I, I haven't achieved everything that, that, uh, that I initially set out for, but um, what I will say is that I'm happy where mm -hmm. I am today in terms of my career, in terms of my personal life. And, um, you know, but I keep driving because look, I love what I do. I, I, and I don't think about retiring anytime soon. Um, I only think about, you know, how do I make where I am today a better place for tomorrow? Yeah. In terms of continuing to drive improvement, continuing to drive, um, you know, basically a, a, a better organization and a better place to work uh, and provide value for, I'm at a, you know, our current company is a private equity sponsored, so provide, you know, value for our shareholders. Well, in life, whether you are a current leader or you are growing and climbing the corporate ladder, you, you go through these different stages of life and these different maturity levels. And you can think at certain times when things happen, the, the world is crashing, the sky is falling, chicken little. And, uh, and it's not. It's just it's shaping you for your future. And, and when you were in Milan, there were a little bit of, of dreams that were dashed. Yeah. You know, you you became very discouraged because the company was having issues. You, you weren't an executive there and you really came back to the United States at the same level that you left. You, there wasn't this big promotion That's right. and, and little did that, did you know at the time and you wouldn't find out until years later that it really shaped what you needed to learn for the job that you're in now. And you, you even talk about, it, you say, all experience is good experience. That's one of those quotes, the quote machine right here. All experience is good experience. Yeah, yeah it's correct. I mean, when I was, uh, I, I went overseas uh, as a number two within a, a subsidiary with the expectation that after two or three years, I would be moved to uh, a smaller subsidiary to uh, head up the finance organization there. Company had a lot of problems and two years later, they brought back most of their expats. And there I came back to, to New Jersey. I was in New Jersey at the time in a pharmaceutical company. Uh, when I came back, I was at the same level. And, and by the way, I was not pleased to say the least. Mm -hmm. I was like, there, it was not a, 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 you know, a good transition back. Now that had to do a little bit with professional maturity okay, mm -hmm. in terms of being told one thing and then ultimately something else happening. And look, again, 
things change. Uh, the company changed. The leadership team changed all while I was over in Milan. Um, but I was put into a, 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 a department at the time that was small. I mean, it was only one other person that I reported to. But ultimately, that that department uh, and the you know, it was a joint venture between the company I was at and Merck. Uh, ultimately, I spent six years there and learned a heck of a lot. I had opportunities during the six years to leave the organization, but stayed. Uh, and you, know, you just never know what's going to happen mm -hmm. in your career. You can never predict things. I had an opportunity to leave um, while I was there. Got an offer from another company, a company where my boss, my old boss had gone uh, to become the controller. Uh, one of my mentors, went to become the CFO of the company. This is a publicly traded pharmaceutical company as well. And they wanted me to come uh, and made me an offer mm -hmm. to come. Long story short, the HR, I don't know how, but HR at our company found out at the company I was at. It came to my office, closed the door and said, we heard you're leaving and you have an offer and we would like to make a counter. But the company made a counter. It actually ended up being what was best for me and my family at the time. but. The CFO of the other company, who was my mentor, a guy by the name of Jerry Martino, uh, I remember Jerry, when I called to tell him I wasn't going to take the job, said, look, the industry's small, Nick. Don't worry about it. You got to take care of your family now. Mm -hmm. I had a daughter at the time that was three months old. My special needs, my daughter was special needs. She had that open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just was not a good time for us to move. So, um, yeah. Four or five years later, that's how I ended up here yeah. in Dallas, was him. He, he left that company, came down here to, to another company, and found out that I was looking and called me out of the blue and said, hey, I heard, I heard you're looking through, yeah. through, through the grapevine. Would you be interested in coming here? And I said, I've never even been to Dallas. Uh, and long story short, now here I am 10 years later, yeah. still in Dallas. Well, so two things we can take away, at least at, at least two things I can take away from that. Number one, family is always first. That's one of our core values at Unity yeah. Search. Family's first. And yeah. you sacrifice something that could have been in the short term for your family. And, and, you know, as you get into your career, whether you're a leader and you're at the top of the organization or you're making your way, I mean, nothing replaces family. And you have your, your personal family, your at-home family, and, and hopefully you, you get to have a work family, too right? Yep. That's, that's what makes work fun. That's what gives it more passion. You win as a team, you lose as a team, you learn from that, those losses, you turn them into more wins. But that, that was number one is family. The, the number two thing is one of the reasons, um, and this impacts a lot of people here, one of the reasons why when you came back, you were so disappointed was at that time in your life, I've got to imagine you cared more about what other people thought about that in your career. That's correct. And, and now you talk about how there are things that are outside of your control and you, you only need to work on being better than who you were yesterday. And at yeah. that time in your career, it was well, gosh, man, this is embarrassing because people think I should come back at a higher level. And you, you care too much about what other people were, were thinking. thinking. Yeah, that's that, David, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's correct. Uh, yeah, 
as you know, as you're growing up, uh, as you as you become a young adult, and and then ultimately as you get into the workforce, uh, you know, there's a lot of, and I think it's even more difficult actually now today with social media, but. You know, in terms of self-esteem and, and how you think about yourself and how others view you, that's a very important, uh, you know, it's very important for many people. Look, as, you, as I've gotten longer into my career uh, and as I've gotten certainly, you know, older and my family has gotten older, look, I, I care, I honestly, I care about what a, num a few people in this world actually think. Mm -hmm. okay, on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's my family. I care about what they think and how they perceive me. Okay, but outside of that, I, you know, probably, David, 10 years ago, I, I, not to say I stopped caring about what people think, certainly I care about what people think to an extent, but I don't let it rule what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I can't control anybody else, how they think, what they feel, what they do. I can only control me. Mm -hmm. And so it was very, for, 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 from my perspective, it was, it was like a, a, you know, freeing my mind. Yeah. Okay. Th th that anxiety of other folks uh, thinking about, you know, what, what, I wonder what that person thought about me or what, I wonder what they thought about what I said. Look, that anxiety went away and it helped me become much more confident in myself, much more confident in my career. Uh, and... Look, I, I just feel that, you know, it's it's not easy to do. It took me a while to do it. I, you know, I ultimately had to try to train my mind to to do that. But now, look, I, I mean, I again, I care about what my kids and my and my wife and my close family mm -hmm. think. But at work, look, I'm always there to do the right thing, right? I may make mistakes. Certainly, we all make mistakes, but they're not. You know, they're not on purpose by any stretch. They are, you know, we're doing, trying to always do the right thing every day. And, um, you know, allowing myself not to have that anxiety yeah. on a professional basis, on a daily basis, that has, you know, certainly helped me grow professionally and also grow my career. Well, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to catch everybody up on one thing of why all of these events culminated into helping Nick where he is today in his career. Um, you know, we talked about the, you know, the dreams getting dashed in Milan and we talked about being a little bit of not having a clue what he wanted to do. And he came back from Milan and he was put in a division and it grew really fast. And, and that prepared him for today because the catch up is he's at a company, CloudMed, right now, where it's you've gone through over 12 acquisitions. You're growing your team from two to six people. It's PE owned. You work like crazy. You're finding you're flying by the seat of your pants. And it was the experience, what he thought was a disappointment at the time because of what other people thought about him. And because of the circumstances at the time turned out to be a great blessing for you and your career. Yeah. And what I'm, what I really would like to know, cause I want to go back to, you know, what, what other people think, um, you have a team of six people, mm -hmm. uh, y'all meet on a quarterly basis. Yep. It's they're all across the country. Um, cloud med doesn't have a lot of offices. You know, you've got three offices, everybody's remote. Yep. How do you instill the work ethic in your staff? How do you uh, 
uh, get them not to be so concerned? The things that impacted your career, how do you make sure they don't impact your staff's career today? Yeah, good question. Um, so uh, this whole remote work uh, is certainly, you know, wasn't like we just eased our way into this for mm -hmm. most organizations. It was an overnight, like Friday you're working in the office and you're there five days a week and now Monday you're not coming back. Right? And everybody went through that, not everyone, but a lot of organizations went through that. What we did early on was set up a, initially a daily call, just so we could understand where everybody was, mm -hmm. not necessarily physically, but where they were mentally, okay? And, and, and who was working on what, um, and ultimately, that call that we did for probably three or four months every day for 30 minutes uh, sort of transitioned itself into uh, we still have calls three days a week, me and my team. But but I think what's important is that you know, as, a, as a leader within an organization, it's important to listen to your people. Okay, let them speak. Um, I mean, in my in our in our team meetings, and they're not called staff meetings; they're called team meetings. Okay, uh, we're all part of the same team. We're all working toward the same objectives. It's important for for me to set those objectives. Certainly, there's objectives coming from the CEO or the CFO, and I'm relaying what they are and, and what our piece of that is and what we need to do. But look, I'm not on the ground doing everything every day. I've done everything that, that my team has done at one point in time or another in my career, but at this point, I'm leading, I'm coaching, I'm trying to develop those, those, those folks. And it's important that you understand where their mental uh, attitude is on, a, on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis, and just be open and transparent. I mean, from my perspective, David, it is, it is critical. I mean, I have one-on-ones with my team, Every week or every other week, just depending. You know, there's some skip gap, uh, skip level meetings, right? But it's important for me to really know what they're thinking, how they're thinking. And by the way, our organization has 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 rolled out a um, like an online survey tool that once a week we get surveys, and the surveys are scored and weighted, and they're just five questions typically. Okay, mm -hmm. but they come out every week, and you as a as a manager then get your scores, so you can see how people respond. It's all anonymous, mm -hmm. or if you choose, you can make yourself unanonymous. Uh, but those things actually help me understand you know, the pulse of my team as well and where, how they're thinking. But up front, when I hire somebody, what's important for for them to understand is that I'm open, I'm transparent, I'm direct. And I expect the same thing back, right? Uh, and, and that to me, especially in the environment that we're working in today, is critical. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, 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 by the way, what, what, is it like Survey Monkey just for? It's called Office Vibe. Office Vibe. Yeah. Okay. Office Vibe. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, so you're really goal driven. Yeah. I'm sure your team has goals. Yes. Individuals on your team. Um, because you've passed that down to them. How do you hold them accountable? H how do you work with them to achieve their goals? Is it, you know, in a meeting, is it? Yeah, so I have, so, so for that, I mean, certainly there's, you know, day-to-day -day or monthly goals that are work-related, but, you know, if we're talking about, you know, what's important to me as a, as a, a leader 
and, and personally important to me is developing my people mm-hmm. okay, and developing the team members to go other places. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you ask anybody that's worked for me over the last 15 years, every one of them will tell you the same that I that have told all of them, look, I'm loyal to you. Okay, look, companies, look, we come and go from a company standpoint. Companies are not necessarily as loyal to employees as you know maybe we w- w- would want them to be. However, I'm very loyal to my team, and, and I look as part of my job is to develop those people and give them the opportunities that they want in order for them to go to their next role or the role after that. I mean, I look at things in terms of throughout my career, I never really thought about the next role. I thought about two roles from now. And what do I need to do to get there? And I try to instill the same thing with my team, putting together, um, working with them to put together development plans on, well, where do you want to go? Okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to be on a CFO path or do you want to be more on an operations path or maybe you want to go to accounting? What do you need in terms of experiences to get you from where you are today to the next level or the next job that you want. Mm-hmm. And that's very important. And, and we talk about that every month yeah. in terms of uh, development. Yeah. You, you, you kind of took my last question away from me, but I'm going to ask oh. it. I'm going to ask it. It's okay. I'm going to ask it anyways. You know, so you're just going to have to repeat exactly what you just said verbatim. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. All right. Well, All right. No, here's, here's my last question. You know, when we talk with our associates, um, our employees, by the way, you, you do such a great job of, you can tell you treat them as family. You want them as yeah. family. I, I, I love that. You can just see the passion. Um, employees who are climbing in their career, you know, they have goals. And a lot of times they have an intent that is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for those who are just listening, it's high. I'm raising my hand high in the air here. Their intent is high, but the impact they're delivering is less than that intent. Yeah. Right. It's less than, and there's a gap. And for some, you know, uh, they're never going to close that gap. They don't really intend to close that gap. They're they're yeah. in, The impact that they are having is never going to meet their intent. But for others, you know that the they want to have a greater impact. How do we help our employees close the gap between their current impact level, which is lower than what they intend to do? How do we how do we get them to close that gap? No, I, I you know, it, it's a great question. Uh, I don't think it's an easy one to answer, David, in terms of how do we get them to close the gap? I, th- I think that, you know, going back to what I said earlier with regards to uh, development, you know, in, in many of the organizations that I've worked, over, worked in over the last 25 years, honestly, we always had training budgets and never used them, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, or rarely used them from that perspective. That was a fault of the organizations, of the management teams. You know, today, I think this generation uh, that is coming up and in, in, in working that are in their 20s and 30s are just different than uh, meaning than, than how I grew up. And I think from a development standpoint, in terms of how do we close the gap for them, look, understanding what people want and ultimately 
you know, putting a plan together, which goes back to the goals, but putting a plan together on how do we get you there, right? Step by step or task by task or this experience or that experience. Look, I truly believe that, you know, we all have the same opportunity. I realize everybody comes from the same, it doesn't come from the same place. But I think that if you, if you put in the time and you're not afraid to, to put the work in, more than enough examples out there where those who didn't initially think that they were able to do something have done it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, you know, think about um, going back and talking about achieving uh, you know, a higher level. I mean, there's so many examples of that in history, so many examples of that you see on a daily basis in terms of what people can do uh, and how to get there. But it starts with just the first step and identifying where, you know, where the needs are for that individual and having a, a frank conversation with them and not being afraid to have those conversations. There it is. Yep. There it is. It's the conversation. That's how yep. it starts. That's how we help our people close that gap is we know when our people truly have what their intent is and we know the impact they're having may be being delivered less than that. And that's incumbent upon us to have a, a frank is, is a word. Some people are like, oh, Frank, man, that's t-. candid, open, whatever, whatever adjective you want to use to describe that conversation. But you've got to have that conversation. Either as a leader, you will always be disappointed in that person if you don't have that conversation and you don't want to live your life like that or you're not going to draw the most out of that employee. And right. that's what we're after, right? Yeah, this, this, this goes back to the professional anxiety piece, I yeah. believe, right? I mean, it's never easy to have those conversations with an employee. Um, but if you, want to do what's, if you want to do what's best for that employee, you need to have the conversation. That's right. And most of them, honestly, when I've had those conversations in my career with, with, with employees, Look, they, they actually welcome those yeah. those conversations. They, yeah. they they want people, I believe they want people to care, right? And look, I care about my team. I care about them as individuals. I care about what motivates them and everybody's motivated differently. So you, yeah. you as a manager have to try to figure that out in terms yeah. of what motivates your team. But talking yeah. is still the best way to do that. Having a conversation is still the best way. Yeah. Nick. Incredible insight. I appreciate it. Thank you you so much. It's it's about the conversation. Our listeners, it's about the conversation. And guess what? If you are a leader, you are being selfish if you don't have those conversations because you're protecting your feelings more than you're protecting their feelings. Right? So we thank you all so much for joining us. Again, it's every other week that we do one of these discussions with great leaders like Nick. I hope you took a lot away from it. And until next time, we'll see you down the road. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.